for the past, present, and future of all animals. This is the Zookeeper's Voice with your host, Danny Jurassi. Hello, and welcome to the Zookeeper's Voice. I'm your host, Danny. Today on the Zookeeper's Voice, we have global conservationist, filmmaker, speaker, explorer, and wildlife presenter, Stephanie Arney. Saving Penguins, the African Nest Project, in which Stephanie is involved in communication and fundraising, is a project on its way to bring African penguins away from how close they are to extinction. This film and project is working towards the goal of saving African penguins by giving them homes to protect their eggs and raise their young, but they need our help. Let's take a listen to our talk with Stephanie Arney. Today on the line, we have global conservationist and filmmaker Stephanie Arney. Thank you so much for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice today, Stephanie. Glad to be here. Excellent. Well, tell us about Saving Penguins, what it is, and what your overall goal for this project is. Saving Penguins is a project and a film. So first I'll talk about the project. The goal for this project is to save African penguins, but a lot of people actually don't even know that African penguins exist. So just starting that sentence right away, most people are like, wait, you see that like slow pause in their head as their brain processes penguins in Africa? Yeah, they're already <laughs> learning something. Exactly. And so then I, I have to stop myself from like continuing on to let them process that. And then usually you have to go on and say, you know, most penguins live at the equator in South, not up in the North Pole with polar bears and Santa. Uh, but there are a lot of penguins that live in warmer climates on the land. And the African penguin, also called in the past the African black-footed penguin, black-footed penguin, jackass penguin, but now it's called African penguin. They are really struggling. Their numbers have decreased significantly, and we're down to 1% of their population, um, not just off islands off the coast of South Africa, but also on the uh, coastlines of South Africa and Namibia, for example. So we are really struggling uh, to try to get their population back up, and the reason for that is because they have uh, dropped in numbers so incredibly fast and conservationists around the world have noticed that they've gone through a lot of struggles, but it's only been recently where conservationists from accredited zoological facilities and aquariums, along with nonprofits that are focused on saving seabirds or working with penguins, and of course the South African national government have come together and said, all right, look, Instead of like arguing and spending loads of time on testing and observing, we know that they're struggling. We have proof of it. Let's all put our egos down and put our heads together and try to come up with a solution that will at least keep them above water, keep them afloat while we try to solve some of the harder issues that they're struggling from. And so that would be the harder issues being climate change, for example, oil pollution, plastic pollution and overfishing of their prey. So all of these entities were like, okay, well, <laughs> climate change, we can't just like fix overnight. And overfishing takes a lot of political time and it's a socio socioeconomical thing. So that takes a lot of time. Oil spills, we can definitely have great teams that help clean up the oil, but we need to put invest money into preparing for oil spills. And then of course, working more with oil companies to prevent them. Absolutely. And yeah, 
And then um, what is the other one I'm worried about right here? Plastic pollution. Obviously, we're really starting to address a lot more. So preventing plastic, reusing, recycling, um, and then, of course, making sure that it gets wasted in the right place and doesn't end up in the ocean. And then, of course, we have teams that are out there starting to pick up the ocean already, like uh, the Big Ocean Cleanup Group. Those things are a lot harder, take a lot more time. So our group is going to address and has addressed a different issue. And that's the fact that in the past, let's say 100 years ago, a group of humans went by these islands and they saw these penguins. And maybe they took a penguin or two to eat. And some of you might be like, what? No. I can't imagine eating penguins. Yeah, but there's people around the world that can't imagine us eating the things that we eat either. So humans have been, yeah, humans have been eating different food um, through time all over the world. And so uh, what they did is, you know, they were hanging out around the penguins. Maybe they would take their eggs as well. But then they discovered that they were nesting and what they were walking on, uh, what the humans were walking on was actually a nesting location for the breeding pairs for the penguins. So what happened is over thousands and thousands and thousands of years, millions of seabirds basically pooped all over this island and it built up so high that and hardened over time. And that's guano. So it's highly nutritious and it's kind of white and chalky. So it built up over time and these penguins burrowed under it, just like its cousins and other parts of the world. They burrow. A lot of penguins burrow. And they were doing that in their guano. And that was protecting them from the really hot, uh, bright sun and also from predators that would come up on the islands, um, more specifically kelp gulls, which are huge uh, gulls. I don't want to say seagulls, but that will help trigger uh, you knowing what that is, these goals can come up and easily swallow a chick. So burrowing is extremely helpful. But then humans found out like, whoa, this guano would make amazing fertilizer. So as humans, what do we do when we find a really uh, important resource? <laughs> we take, we it. take it all. Yeah. <laughs> and so humans started to... Um, basically fight for this guano and eventually it became so prized and so valuable that it became uh, more expensive than gold and silver. And so there's actually guano wars. There were guano wars (laughs) over the resource, just like how we say diamond wars and such. So they would bag it all up and they would ship it all over the world to go on crops to help food grow faster. And eventually we they ran out of all the guano and now all the penguins that are left are nesting above ground. Uh, therefore, they are being uh, they're they're cooking, they're baking in the sun and a lot of them die from heat stroke. And some of them retreat to the ocean, but that means they're abandoning their egg and their chick. And depending on how long they're gone, will determine whether the egg cooks in the sun or if a kelp gull comes and eats the egg or the chick. So that is something that we humans can solve. Again, it requires a bunch of entities coming together, sharing resources, so essentially money, because conservation costs dollars, lots of dollars. Yes. (laughs) And um, along with putting down their egos so that they could actually accomplish something really It's really impressive. They all did it, and they decided, let's just produce a new type of burrow well they're currently at sea level right now the birds are so you have to do you have to create an above ground nest 
So basically all these entities came together and said, let's create an artificial nest. And they've tried everything. They tried different like half pipes, not like the skateboarder kind. (laughs) (laughs) They take a pipe, cut it in half, uh, put it up so it's like a rainbow and then the penguins would go underneath and that was too hot and water got under it and then they tried uh, another type and the material broke down when there were storms it broke down too quickly and it also was still too hot and the humidity was horrible they tried another one and another one and another one and they just kept failing but they didn't give up and that's what to me is so inspiring Uh, eventually They decided, you know what, why don't we try to copy what nature has already done? So they created this device, which costs money, and put it in the burrow. (laughs) And they measured the heat and humidity of this burrow. And they were like, okay, well, now knowing that answer, we can put whatever, you know, A and B into the equation to figure out what C is going to be. And so they really just started messing with different types of materials and uh, where where you put holes and how can we prevent rain from getting in? How can we prevent it from blowing away? How can we prevent it from uh, deteriorating in two years instead of 20? And how do we make it affordable? And of course, that's what we conservationists have to do is go through all of those details. Even though you see people online going, oh, well, why don't they just do this? <laughs> like They make it lot. sound so easy. <laughs> There's so much that goes into these decisions. I mean, just trying to get people from different countries together that have different beliefs and politics uh, and different funding. That alone, just getting past that step is difficult, let alone getting to the point where you're on five failed nests and have now gotten the data to try to replicate a natural one. So that is, to me, probably the most impressive part of this entire story. So from there... What the team did is they said, hey, we've tested out what we think is now the perfect nest. It's the it's the right shape. We can face it against the prevailing winds. It, the resources are affordable. They're somewhat easy to make with a team of locals. We can pay locals here, which is really great, to create jobs. And uh, the heat and humidity are great. The airflow is great. I mean, the exact number of holes in this nest, which at this point, it's like a mix between an igloo and a doghouse, the way that it looks. And, um, you know, we can make it so it lasts hopefully over 10 years for uh, and be affordable. And they did it. And they asked my husband, Tim Davison, and I to come out there and do social media, film what they were doing. Of course, we were volunteering our time as well. So it's hard to do two jobs, but it it was an amazing experience to go out there and see all those penguins. The sad part was, though, yeah, seeing all of them that were really, really struggling from heat strokes. We knew these artificial nests would be really important. Absolutely. They're so important. And one thing that I did want to ask you, just because I'm curious, is guano still a um, is that still something that people buy? I to be honest, I have no idea. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past anybody. But again, it depends on what country you're from. There's a lot of warm weather penguins. They're off the coast of uh, South America, Australia, New Zealand, Africa. They're on islands all over um, the coast of those countries as well. So I, I can't imagine that humans aren't taking advantage of that possibility, but it really just depends on the type of protection that they have and if it's being managed properly. I would assume no, if they're endangered species and it's recognized an endangered, as an endangered species in that country or on those islands, then they should be protected no matter what. Um, but again, you know how humans are. Yes, <laughs> we definitely do. 
Well, I just, I've never even heard of a poop war going on. So that's news to me. <laughs> so yeah, 1800s, it was intense. Oh yeah. 1800s. Well, I guess uh, in the 1800s, they couldn't put, um, you know, penguin guano on Amazon or eBay. So <laughs> that's probably a good thing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we would have been gone. I mean, look at TP coming out with COVID. I know. If people knew, if people knew fertilizer would grow their food so well, it, it'd be empty everywhere. Absolutely. It's just typical human behavior. We obviously we're we're seeing that when you have fear and a sense of scarcity, it kind of triggers a majority of people to go into that place of survival because we are animals too, and so. I don't know. There's definitely things that we humans do now I still see that are similar to the guano wars. Uh, it's unfortunate, but again, it's just remembering that humans are animals too. Absolutely. And there's people like the team that you, you guys are part of who are doing something about this. So what is the team's overall goal? You said, um, how many nests did you want to bring uh, to the area? All right. The overall big goal would be really great if we had, let's say, 5,000 nests to help all the colonies of South Africa. Let's just start there. Okay. When we went to the island, we were able to, there was a few out already and we deployed 100. And since we've been there, they now have about 1,000 on the island. That's awesome. And they are extremely successful. They're always they always fill up very quickly. There's penguins that are laying eggs right away, sometimes up to two eggs in a breeding season. They have two a year. So they're working very, very well. And they're numbered. And the rangers that work for South African National Parks are that live on the island are constantly monitoring the nests and the birds. And some of them even have some really cool technology so we can continually measure the heat and humidity and airflow and everything of the nest so that we can always improve the science. Uh, so our goal for 2020, though, is to get 2,020 artificial nests deployed on the islands off the coast of South Africa, though. I'm going to specifically say Bird Island is where we really want a lot of the nests, but there, there's tons of island. Not, not tons. There's about two to four, let's say. And we would it would be super rad if we could get 2,020 artificial nests out on those islands by 2020. That's such an awesome goal. Well, by the end of 2020. By the Sorry. end of 2020. Um, so what about long term? Is this a project that is just taking place through the end of 2020? Or is this something that you guys oh. are looking to do long term? Again, um, we we do have probably a little over 1,000 on the island right now. Uh, it'd be great if we could get up to about 5,000. So as of right now, our goal is just 2,020 to make it fun and catchy in 2020. But after that, we'll still need a few more and or a couple thousand more, maybe. What is the math there? One thousand, two, three. So yeah, we'll need a couple thousand more. And um that's fine. We're we're just trying to focus on baby steps right now. And honestly, even once we get all those nests out there for all the breeding pairs, uh, we also need to manage them. So they get picked up by the winds sometimes. Um, it's pretty rare. They're, they're quite heavy and they are held down by rocks, but they do have some pretty big storms and they have no vegetation on that island, on Bird Island specifically, where we filmed Saving Penguins. But they they do get, you know, a little wear and tear. So the rangers, we do have to pay the rangers with conservation dollars to maintain those nests and make sure that they're, you know, facing the winds the correct way and that they're not over flooding or, you know, 
just main just maintenance. Yeah, <laughs> and if there's they a need, need maintenance. Bro- if they're broken or if they need to be repainted with the perfect color white that helps reflect the sun so that the nest has the perfect amount of heat and humidity in it. Uh, so yeah, it's it's this is a long, long term thing, but the first goal is so visual and that's just getting those nests out on the island. And then after that, it's just paying to maintain it. So those are amazing goals. Now, obviously these goals are to pull the African penguins from that 1%. What do you guys estimate putting these nests out will do for this species? You know, I wish I had that number. It's really, it's huge if you think about it. Um, We have 30 to 40,000 breeding pairs on all those islands. And... If you give one, if you put a nest out and there's two breeding seasons and they have up to two eggs per breeding season, if you can just start with that, you can kind of imagine if they successfully rear the chick, then uh, the numbers are exponential. I just don't know what they are. I really can't tell you. We're just looking to turn around the species then, like just really increase their numbers. (laughs) It would be great if we could increase their numbers. But honestly, our goal is to prevent them from becoming functionally extinct in the wild. Because again, we have to also consider that even if they raise these chicks, uh, it'd be really awesome if there was enough fish in the ocean for them to eat. Right. And then if there wasn't oil spills uh, pretty regularly, that'd be great. Uh, I mean, those are two really heavy things. And then, you know, that's plastic pollution, ingestion, entanglement. That's an issue as well. So really if I was depressing enough and I'd researched and got those really hard numbers to tell you, like we're losing a lot. And I think the gr- a great thing would be to just get up to, to get even uh, and prevent it from sinking faster. If we, but if we ever could get ahead of it a little bit and then our other teams could you know, help manage the Marine protected area better so that there is an overfishing, which includes involving the South African government, um, and we have more teams that are out there clicking, uh, picking up plastic pollution. If there's people that could come up with inventions that could help prevent penguins from being oiled, all of that together is what honestly will help really increase the species. But right now, again, this is let's just let's just stop them from sliding down the hill into extinction as fast as they are. Let's try to maintain them at their current population despite all the challenges. Definitely. And it's amazing to think that, you know, even with that sounds like a large number, the numbers that you're talking about, but in reality, it's quite a small number. And well, they could, it, there was millions <laughs> just a couple hundred years ago. Millions. Man, that's so crazy. And it's so disappointing and so hard to think that like humans are the ones who contributed to that decline. Yeah. And I think, you know, along with a lot of these stories, a lot of people didn't know any different. Right. You know, if you don't know, you don't know. And at that time, they didn't have access to pushing a button on their phone and saying, hey, teach me about penguins. <laughs> you know, they, they just don't have access. They didn't have access to that. And so there's a part of me that I, I'm not really angry at them. You know, first, I'm not going to waste my anger on that. Uh, but I'm not going to be angry at them because they don't know any different. Everybody was trying to survive with lack of information and you know, they did what they did. They stole all the guano and they started harvesting eggs. To me, what's disappointing is that modern humans are so, I don't know if you want to say modern, I shouldn't say that. 
that today's humans <laughs> right. are very aware of our in, of how unsustainable our practices are in terms of fishing and creating plastics, uh, just consumerism in general. We have the information at our fingertips. We have history to look back at. And we still have humans that choose to do things unsustainably, knowing it does harm not just penguins and tigers and elephants and sharks, but it's also uh, harming humans as well because we depend on those, you know, same similar, uh, you know, balance. We need water. We need air. We need food. We need healthy soil. We need all that same stuff too. And if we keep messing with the what food web and the circle of life, it is eventually going to impact us as well. And and it, it, it that's what makes me angry. It disappoints me that there are humans that are fully aware of that and still make the choice or justify in their head that what they're doing as unsustainable and unhealthy as it is, is okay. Yeah. But I know I'm not the only one, right? (laughs) No, you're definitely not the only one. And, you know, we've had uh, people come on our show and talk about ways that we can help the environment. But um, a couple of people that are helping the environment um, that we I don't think we've really talked about is the team that you got to work with for this project. Can you speak a little bit a little bit about the team who you've gotten to work with? So when they asked us to come to do social media and then we ended up doing a film, um, we had no idea at even probably until we started really storyboarding how many groups were involved in this project. It was absolutely amazing to see the big picture team of all the corporations, universities, uh, government entities, nonprofits, use aquariums all coming together. But then our actual team was that was working together is quite small. So we have uh, myself and my husband that filmed it. And then we have Kevin Graham, ornithologist from Dallas Zoo, bird supervisor there. We have Lori Holloway, who is a PR genius. And uh, we have the team over in South Africa. They are working with uh, Pan-African Association of Zoos and Aquaria and Dyer Island Conservation Trust. And they are the ones over there that are building the nest. They're, so they're buying the resources, they're building the nest. Then they're partnering with helicopters, um, helicopter owners to transport them over to the islands. And then they have the South African National Park rangers there waiting for them. And when the helicopter drops the nest down, then whomever could get on the island and fit on the helicopter and afford, because you can only do so many helicopter trips, that's expensive. So it's limited number of people. And then once they get there, you usually have somebody from Paza, Dyer Island, um, the the national parks, and uh, typically Association of Zoos and Aquaria, AZA, uh, zoos and facilities, there's a team member from there as well. And everybody works together to take apart these nests, put them together, take them apart when they come from the helicopter, then reassemble them and then pick them up, move them over to the areas where the penguins are, put a number on there so we can do some GPS tracking, and then you disperse them the proper way around the island. And you can't just put them on top of breeding pairs. That's not how it works. (laughs) We have some people that are like, (laughs) why didn't you put the, they see the film, and they're like, why didn't you put a nest over that penguin? And you you did this one, but not the other one. Well, it's because they were already sitting on an egg, and no matter what cartoon or movie you saw, penguins, as you know, are not like always like cuddly. <laughs> they can be quite feisty. Oh, and very feisty. They will bite you. And <laughs> yes. they have scissors. 
on their face. Yes. <laughs> so they, um, you don't want to try to put a nest over them. They will, te- they'll come after you. And, um, it's also stressful and we're trying really hard not to stress them out because every single penguin life matters. And so even stressing out one, just to try to put a nest over it is we had to compromise and go, Oh, what's worse. It's so it's, it's really hard to put it on them. And if they're already on their nest, they're not going to walk away from their nest and try to roll their egg over to another nest. So we have to wait, they'll have to wait until the next breeding season to get into a nest. So the teammates to me are just they're heroes. They wake up every day and their uh, their minds are on how can I save this species because my species of Homo sapiens we did this to them, and we're responsible for it. We're stewards of this planet, and they're not very distracted. They're they're pretty focused on this project, and they understand that yeah maybe it's just penguins, but penguins matter. They are not only in a species that deserves to be here just as much as any other species, but they're important to understanding our ocean ecosystem and they're important predators and prey in the food chain. So it, it, I, I am, I'm admired. I can't even talk what I think about them because it's my favorite part of my job is working with the people that are so devoted. Well, they sound amazing. And it sounds like you have so many amazing, as you put, heroes helping with this project. Thank you. Yeah, I, this has been uh, this has been an amazing experience so far. And what I really hope is that people visit the website savingpenguins.org and they can learn more about the penguins and the science that went behind the nests. They can see papers that are updating everybody where they're at with their numbers. And they can watch our film Saving Penguins, which is short. It's like 12 minutes and 48 seconds or something. So it's it's short. It's it's sad in the beginning, but then it ends up really hopeful. And some people cry. You know, that's I, my, my husband always says, yeah, we made another person cry. <laughs> but it's happy tears. It's that hope. It's seeing that it's seeing a project work. And it's so easy to see with those nests. And you see the penguins go to them. You see them inside of them. And so, you know, like this matter, this works and you want to be a part of it. And so when you go to the website and you watch it, my my sneaky goal is that you fall in love and you care enough to say, I want to be a part of something good and great and that I know is working. And we have proof that it is. And we hope that people either buy these plushy penguins that are made out of organic cotton and are approved to go in children's hospitals. So we have those, a chicken and an adult that people can purchase or they can actually sponsor a nest, which is really cool. Uh, they're $50 and you can sponsor the whole creation of one nest knowing that you've helped out a breeding couple twice a season or two seasons a year and you're like physically, you physically helped that. There's going to be a physical nest there and that's amazing. Yeah. So we're hope we're hoping that this, this does something and, and Tim and I have invested a lot of, you know, volunteered a lot of hours to, to do this. And so it, obviously it's, it's close to our heart. It's important for our profession, it just matters to us. And we really hope that it does something great. It already is. Yeah, you guys are doing great things. And as you mentioned, um, this project costs money. So how can people (laughs) contribute or get involved with Saving Penguins in the best way? The best thing that you can do is go to savingpenguins.org. You can sponsor a nest. Uh, It's $50 per nest to sponsor it. If you want to sponsor a nest with electronics on it, that means all of that, all the tools that we need to continue our research, it's 250 
And then we also have stuffed animals up there. And if you get the pair, it's like 45 bucks to get a chick and a, and a parent and they're adorable. Otherwise, you can just donate too. If you don't need anything, you can just donate and we'll put it in the big bank to the big bank fund to just contribute to buying more nests. But other than that, sharing, liking, putting it in your email, adding, having us on for your podcast or your blog or uh, maybe doing a screening of Saving Penguins at your local community or pub. Uh, and then last but not least are, are those bigger things that I know you've probably spoken about a million times before on this podcast. And that would be, you know, be very aware of, of your actions as a consumer on this planet. You know, just be a lot more aware of what you're buying, how you're using it, uh, how you waste things and realize that you're one of billions of people and every if everybody just did something little, it would really, it really would make a big difference. Um, and then from that, if you want to make an even bigger difference is, is voting. Voting is really important. Make sure you, you express your right to vote and you vote for people. And this does take research. And I'm sorry, that stinks. I know people don't like to do that. <laughs> but research for people that are doing their best while compromising in a political arena are doing their best to 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 vote for and support environmentally friendly actions and processes and practices. Well, all of these things are so important for hashtag team penguin. So <laughs> where can our listeners find, follow you on social media and then follow this project as well as any future projects you have? Okay. Well, the easiest way to keep up to date all of the time would probably be following me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Instagram is and Facebook are actually at Stephanie Arney, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-A-R-N-E. And then if you want to learn more about my whole life, my presentations, how I became the host of wildlife programs, uh, et cetera, <laughs> you can go to stephaniearney.com. If you want to learn more specifically about what we're doing with penguins and you've heard this and you're like, I want to help, I want to do something then go to savingpenguins.org and you can watch our film Saving Penguins and also sponsor a nest or donate or uh, purchase some organic penguin plushies. Well, we're very excited to get our listeners to hear all, all about this and hopefully contribute to saving the species. But thank you so, so much, Stephanie, for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice today. It was wonderful to have you. I am very grateful. Thank you so much for doing what you two are doing. You're you're sharing really important conservation stories from people that are not just working in zoos and aquariums, but conservationists all over the world. So thank you so much. Well, we're happy to do it. And hashtag Team Penguin. Team Penguin. <laughs> the zookeeper's voice is back. We're finally back. <laughs> Was that that sounds like an elephant? Yeah, it was an elephant. But he was really excited. He was really excited. But we had we talked about penguins today. Yeah, but the zookeeper's voice, all animals of all kinds are really excited that we're back. Yeah, they are really excited that we're back. I'm so excited that we're back because, you know, for a little while we were trying to figure out scheduling and stuff. And I think, you know, being able to bring in interviews like this once a month is gonna be really, really important. Absolutely. Especially for animals like penguins who You've got so many important people who are working on these projects, working on these films, and trying to save them. And honestly, that can't wait. No, we, it cannot. We want to make sure that we're getting that word out. This interview was particularly special to me 
because of me working with penguins for a couple of years. A couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah, it was a long time. It was a long time. And you fell in love with one of them. I did. Shout out to Meep. If you're listening, Meep, I still love you, girl. <laughs> Maybe we'll see you soon. <laughs> we'll meet you. We're, we're going to try to come see you soon. And all my penguin friends down in San Antonio. But just getting to work with them, I, I really did fall in love with working with penguins. And I just can't imagine how much they are struggling and being able to hopefully get some of those nests built just from our listeners would be so huge for the species. And Stephanie and her crew are doing such a wonderful job down there right now. And the more support that they get, you know, we're going to get thousands more nests and save thousands of more lives. Yes, that's so important. So we definitely want to support all of the work that they're doing. And one way you su- you can support them is by going to savingpenguins.org. So don't forget to go support them and check out all that important work that they're doing. One thing that I really want all of our listeners to know is, first off, how excited we are to be back. Oh, yeah. But also, we want to make sure that we are getting those interviews that you want to hear. I know we talked about it last time, but please make sure that you reach out to us on social media, tweet at us, send us an email, anything like that. We want to make sure that we're continuing to get those email or those interviews that you guys really want to hear. So for those of you listening, please rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcast. And be sure to stay up to date with all the happenings here at The Zookeeper's Voice on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and thezookeepersvoice.com. For the past, present, and future of all animals, this has been The Zookeeper's Voice. We'll see you next time.